today we pray that as your word is read, as we dig in and understand and look at what you have to say to us, that our hearts would be changed, that we would understand the truth of your word, that we would realize what Jesus offers and that we are to live it out day in and day out, that we would be people who would be strong Christians, working out our salvation, just as Philippians says today, that we would understand what that means and that you would speak to us through the power of your word. Would your spirit have your way today with us? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, or sorry, correction, Philippians chapter 2. We've been continuing, or we're going to continue our joyride series as we go through the book of Philippians. Last week, we would be in what I would call the highlight of the book of Philippians, which is the attitude of Christ, Philippians chapter 5. And I'm going to pre-read, or I'm going to reread Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 18. And the reason why I want to do that is because there's a tie in there in verse 12 that says, therefore. And anytime the word therefore is there, we have to ask the question, what's the word therefore? Therefore. All right? So I want you to understand the context of everything that's taking place. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, and listen to what Paul says. He's, remember, he's writing to the church at Philippi. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But listen to verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. As a result of God exalting Jesus because of Jesus' death, all right, As a result of that, now Paul gives us a therefore, because of the exaltation of Jesus, because of the fact that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Paul is going to dig in and tell us this is now what we're supposed to do. So in verse 12, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without, I find this ironic because of being in a Southern Baptist church. What? Or, wait a second, surely God made a mistake when he put those verses in there, right? I mean, almost every, and I'm, I'm joking with you, obviously you know that, because I know that we don't have the complaining and arguing that's going on, but listen to me, I'd grown up in a church that was conflicted, all right? I kind of wonder sometimes, we, we read the word, but we don't live the word. We, we take it in, but yet at the same time, it's like, well, that's great, that was for the Philippians, but God surely obviously doesn't understand my pastor, or he doesn't understand the people I go to church with. Because if he did, he would be complaining and arguing. No, what's Paul say? Do everything without complaining or arguing. Listen, why? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. 
But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Here's the, the reality. Here's the truth. Everybody should be working out regularly. Every Christian should be working out regularly in your life. Now, the minute you hear workout, some of you automatically go, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? I don't work out even physically. Anybody ever watch the world's strongest man? I mean, maybe, maybe you'd admit it. That if you turn on ESPN at some of the worst times in sports, you know, when like there's no football, no baseball, no basketball, you have all these reruns of like the world's strongest man on ESPN. And if you've ever watched the world's strongest man, you know what takes place in there. Things that I could never even imagine doing. Things like the keg toss. They take a keg full of stuff, I'm, I'm assuming they wouldn't waste the beer, but I'm, I'm assuming, and they throw it in the air. Okay, so you got the, the cake toss, but there are things that take place like this that, that they compete in to show their strength. Events like the cake toss, events like the fridge carry. Matter of fact, the first time I ever saw the fridge carry, a guy broke his leg. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they're, they're showing this on the EPN. They got this like harness thing that they literally pick the fridge up and they carry it. I mean, and I don't know how much weight's in this fridge, all right, but if you can figure a single man picking up a refrigerator and carrying it so far, and as this guy's walking, he walks, and you see his leg right here just buckle, I mean, snaps, bam, falls over, and you're like, you're crazy. So you got the keg toss, you got the fridge carry, they got a log lift, you can go in and pick up a log. Now, growing up in Wyoming, I understand how heavy logs are, maybe you've cut a few oak trees around here, you understand how heavy logs can be. But these guys will do it single-handedly, lift a log, and my favorite one of all times, matter of fact, I watched it not too long ago, is the vehicle pull. The one most recently was they pulled a C-130. Yeah, if you know anything about a C-130, that's a cargo plane that our Air Force, really our Air Force and Army both use. Uh, growing up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, we had the C-130s were right there. They, they flew overhead every day. As a matter of fact, I can, when I hear a C-130 go over, I know it's a C-130 before I've even seen it because I can hear it. And these guys are pulling a C-130. They got a rope attached to something, and then the C-130 attached to them with the harness, and they just start walking. And they see how far they can tow the C-130. And while you may think about something like that, what I want to challenge you today is this, that working out is something that we're all really needing to do. We are all required to do. That's what Paul lays out. Continue to work out your salvation. And I want you to begin to understand it because the, the, the strength of the Christian relies upon the fact that you are working out day in and day out in God's word. So I remember growing up at one point, I wanted to be strong. I, wanted, I knew I never had a chance to be big. All right. All I had to do was look at my mom and dad. It's like, you know, no 6'8", 275-pound guy is going to come from my mom and dad. I mean, I, they're like, it's just not possible. I mean, I say that. I mean, maybe God could do some supernatural, you know, steroid injection or something, but it's just not possible. You look at my dad, he's 5'10", 160. You look at my mom, I don't know, all right? Women never answer, all right? But there's no way somebody 6'8", 275 is going to come out that way. So even in high school, when I had dreams of being some big, tough guy and I would lift like crazy, 
I knew there was never a chance I was going to be some big, huge offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. I knew it wasn't a chance. (laughs) But what I did know was this. I could still be strong. I may not be big. I may not be somebody who was going to, you know, impress a lot of girls with big biceps and bulging pectoral muscles. That wasn't the option. All right? I was never going to be that person, but I knew I could work out to be in the best shape ever. And what I want to challenge you with is this, that God wants us to work out day in and day out so that we can be the best shape ever, that when somebody looks at you, they can see Christ in you, that when you're walking the daily walk of life, that somebody's going to see Jesus in you first and foremost, and that's what he's laying out. So as we dig in today's, into today's section, I want to challenge you with this, that as we're going through this joyride in Philippians, you have to realize that going through the joyride means it's worth working out. There's a progress that takes place in my life in order to become what God wanted me to become. As a result of who Jesus is and what he accomplished, laid out in in verses 5 through 11, Paul then tells the Philippian church, therefore, as a result of Christ being exalted, as a result of everything that Christ has done, therefore, here is what is expected of you. Here is what we want for you. Here is what God wants to see in you. And so there is something that has to take place in our lives. And as a result of working out, God can work in and through you. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. We must work out to live out the gospel to those around us. We must work out to live out the gospel to those around us. You have to. It's not an option. If I don't lift weights in life, you cannot all of a sudden become some big, bloated, world's strongest man. Matter of fact, you might not be strong at all if you don't do any sort of working out. But likewise, in the Christian life, it's the same thing. If I am not working out my faith, then I am not growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as a result, I'm going to be a skinny, scrawny, weak Christian. And so Paul lays this out to the church at Philippi who, remember, was facing persecution, was facing Roman nationalism and the celebration of what went on in Philippi, and the Christian church is going. They're loving on Paul. They've offered and given and taken care of Paul, but Paul is now challenging him, and he's challenging him because there's a complaining and arguing that's going on within the church. There's a little bit of complaining. They're complaining to God about what's going on, and then they're arguing amongst each other. They're complaining about the situation they're in, and they argue and complain and bicker between what's going on. And so we must work out to live out the gospel to those around us. So here's the question. How do we work out our salvation? Now, here's the problem. Here's where the rubber meets the road, because a lot of people like, they read that verse, and they're like, "What? what? Paul's talking about works. Paul's telling me I have to work to earn my salvation. No, 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 no. Read the verse again. Understand the context with which he's stating what he's saying. Listen to what he says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. Listen to what he's saying. He's he's thanking them for their obedience, not only in my presence. In other words, you didn't just obey God when I was there serving you. You have obeyed God in everything, but now much more in my absence. But listen to what he says. Continue to work out your salvation. What does he mean by that? 
It's the idea of putting your salvation into practice. It's the idea of reading God's word, understanding God's word, and living God's word. One of the biggest complaints usually about Christians is they claim one thing, but they live completely different lifestyle. The reality of the matter is that the Bible, God's word, Paul, Jesus himself says, if you want to live out the faith, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to claim to be a Christian, then you work out your salvation. In other words, you live what you say you believe. Too many people don't live what they say they believe. They say they believe something, and then they deny Christ by the very lifestyle with which they live. That's why people go, well, why would I want to go to church? I could do the exact same thing you're doing. And I don't have to deal with going to church. I don't have to give money. I don't have to listen to a boring guy talk. I don't have to do that. I can do the same thing you're doing and not have a problem. So how do I work out my salvation? How do we work out our salvation? Number one is this. You have to put in the work. Now, listen, before you make it, don't go jumping to conclusions. Wait a second, I got to work? You're telling me I got to work for salvation? No, you got to work in your salvation. Nobody naturally becomes big. Nobody becomes the world's strongest man. Nobody becomes the world's greatest Christian. I don't even want to try and put levels there without working. You have to put in the practice. You have to take in God's word. You got to memorize his word. You got to start to live out what you're reading. You got to let God's word so infiltrate you and his spirit so lead you that everything you do reflects who he is and what he's done in your life so that, listen, he receives the honor and the glory, not you. So working out my salvation doesn't mean I'm working for my salvation. I'm already saved. What he's saying is flex your salvation muscles. It's kind of like this. If, if, if in some way you could picture this, you go into a weight room. We got a weight bench set up here. You got the bar set out. You're getting ready to bench press the weight, right? And as you do that, you're taking the 45-pound dumbbells or the 45-pound weights off the weight rack. And let's just say each 45-pound weight is just a book of the Bible. And I'm throwing that sucker on there. And I'm going to work out and get strength by taking in more and more of God's word. I grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ by taking in and understanding God's word. So what Paul is saying is this. If you want to grow, you've got to know who Jesus is. You've got to know more and more about who he is, what he stands for, his precepts, his laws, his conditions, what he's setting up, what he wants us to do. How does he want me to obey? What does he want me to obey? What can I do? What can I not do? Those are the realities of what he says. See, our goal is obedience to Jesus with a Christ-like mind. Remember what we talked about last week? As we hold out the truth of the gospel, that I obey Christ in everything. Listen to Psalm chapter 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Listen to Psalm 119, 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Matter of fact, if you go, I'm just going to flip over there because Psalm 119 is probably one of my favorite ones. It's the longest one. Uh, but Psalm 119 is huge. And I would challenge you, go home and read it. Matter of fact, sit down and read it in one setting. 
Because listen to what he says over and over and over. Blessed are those who are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Your unfailing love come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. Your hands made me and formed me. They give me understanding to learn your commands. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. Listen to this over and over. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. O Lord, how I love your law and I meditate on it day in and day out. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hate double-minded men, but I love your law. All of these are simple verses at the beginning of each paragraph in Psalm 119. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I will obey them. Righteous are you, Lord. Your laws are are right. I will call with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord, and I will obey your decrees. Look upon my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. Over and over and over, just in Psalm 119, David is working out his salvation by relying upon the goodness and grace of God's word day in and day out in his life. That's the reality of what you need. And the truth of the matter is this. We spend more time watching TV. We spend more time on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram or anything else than we ever do reading God's word. And the reality is you kind of get out what you put in. You're never going to be a big, strong, physical specimen if you never lift weights. You get what you put in. If you're drinking beer and pizza and doing nothing else, guess what you got? what I play softball with every Wednesday night. Actually, really every Sunday night. Great guys, big old beer bellies. That's what happens. But I want you to think about that. Are you a beer belly Christian? Or are you working out? I mean, the truth of the matter is this. Some of you only eat once a week. It's called Sunday morning. And last I checked, if I only ate, like really legitimately ate food on Sunday morning, I'd be a shriveled up mess. I'd be looking like a raisin. And the reality is some of us may be just that. We are shriveled up, weak Christians. We can't stand up against temptation and we can't speak out truth to those who are around us. Why? Because we don't have it in us. So when he says, work out your salvation, he's laying this out. If the whole universe is someday going to confess Jesus is Lord, then they ought to as well. And we ought to be obedient because of a proper understanding of who Jesus is. So how do we work out our salvation? Number one, we put in the work. Number two, we shine in the dark. Look at what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, Number and, and I want to explain this too. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. All right? So that's the first thing. The second thing, we said shine in the dark. Look at verses 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. You ever thought about that? Do I stand out? I mean, I know we live in Kansas City, and I know that sometimes when you're in the city, you don't get to see stars like stars are really meant to be seen. 
Matter of fact, the year I met Sarah, anytime we go back to Wyoming, we go up to the cabin, and, and you get out away from everything, and you would not believe how the sky comes alive. Stuff you can't see here. And I know, look, we can see stars, but you don't see them like you can see them when you're at 5,000 feet or 7,000 feet above sea level up in the mountains, and you feel like you can reach out and touch them. And he's saying this, do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? Because as you do it, as you take in more of God's word, guess what you're going to reflect? You're going to shine like stars in the universe. In the midst of darkness, you're going to be the one who is pointing people to the light. And that's literally what stars are doing. They are directing people toward the light. When I was in the Navy, we would use this. As a matter of fact, the guys up on the bridge of the ship, we had all of these, you know, things that they could use to make sure we were going the right direction. But in order to be a person who was qualified to run the bridge of a ship on an aircraft carrier, you had to be able to guide yourself by the stars as well. And so they would shut everything off and they would put these guys to the test and they'd say, you got to find the direction we're going and you're going to use the stars. And I remember talking to these guys how they would do it. And I'd be like, dude, I'm glad that was you, not me. But they had to learn to guide themselves by the stars. And listen to me, when people are in darkness and they are looking for hope and they are looking for life and they are looking for light, guess who they're going to go to? Guess what they're going to look towards? The stars that can provide direction to the light. The stars that can lead the direction and where they need to go. So how do I work out my salvation? I have to spend, I have to put in practice, I have to take in God's word, but I got to shine in the darkness. It, it's literally this idea that we preach with our words and we show it with our lives. We show the very truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in everything that we do, that we don't settle for something on the side, but that we live the gospel day in and day out, not just talking about it, but living it with actions. That we shine like stars in the universe. Matter of fact, I told Sarah, I, I was kicking myself this morning. I, was, I, was, I, I, I use every Sunday morning to kind of tweak and cut and remove stuff or fix stuff on my sermon. And as I'm in the middle of fixing the sermon, I forgot about the song that Matt Redman used to sing. And it was shine like the stars in the universe. Shine like stars in the universe. And I'm just going to read you just very simply uh, what he says. He says that they shine like stars in the universe, that they will see the sun, the stars, and the moon, and how they shine for Jesus, and he's calling us to do the same. Do you realize that? That the moon and the sun and the stars are all that simple thing. That they are shining and pointing others to Jesus, and he's saying that you should shine like stars in the universe in the same way. Just as the very thing that was spoken into creation reflects God's glory, the very thing that was created by the artful master, the potter, is to shine as well, pointing people to who Jesus is. That they would shine like stars in the universe. So how do we work out our salvation? We put it into practice, or we put in the work, we shine in the dark. Number three, we hold out the word. I kind of find it Maybe funny to a certain extent, but I think it's funny that the Gideons are here today in the midst of which we talk about this. Because listen to what he says. You will become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine 
like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. When I am working out my salvation, when I am holding out the word of life to those who have never heard it, that's when I'm going to shine brightest. So I hold out that word of life. See, it carries on this idea of not holding fast. And there's a danger when we don't hold fast. Those dangers is this, that our witness is going to be in vain. Because listen to what he says. As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Hear what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, I want to be able to brag on you. I want to be able to boast about what you have done as a result of being obedient to God's word, as a result of me working with you and through you. Paul says, I want to be able to boast or brag on that. Listen, again, that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Paul's saying, don't put everything that I've done into jeopardy by not being obedient to Christ. Put everything I've done into faith by being obedient to Christ. Paul says, I want to be able to brag on you. But here's the deal. When we don't hold on to it, there are two dangers. Number one, our witness will be in vain, and nobody wants that. No pastor ever wants to walk away from a church going, you know what, I left, now the people are going to go and have problems. That would never be the case. And I would likewise say the same thing, that you as a parent, a mother or father, would raise a kid hoping that kid walks in obedience, not walks away doing whatever they want to do. And so Paul lays this beautiful picture out, and he says that you hold out the word, but when you don't hold fast to it, our witness could be in vain. And number two, the day of Christ, we will be judged. That's what he's literally saying in verse 17. I want to be able to brag on you. I want to be able to talk about what you've done, but in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. In other words, Paul is acknowledging he will be held accountable as you and I will be held accountable. But Paul wants them to be encouraged that they would shine like stars, that they would walk obediently in God's word, that they would work at that salvation day in and day out so that they could be the best person that God wants them to be. And I think that's the biggest thing we have to understand over and over and over again is that this is all about being the best person that God wants you to be because he's working in you and he's working through you. See, Paul wants to boast about the fruit of his labor in Christ and that he didn't run in vain. And I don't know anybody who wants to walk away from this life later and go, you know what? Everything I did was for vain. Everybody wants life to mean something, don't they? Everybody wants to be remembered. Everybody wants to have a legacy. Everybody, I mean, you know, one of the greatest things about sports is becoming a Hall of Fame inductee, whether it's baseball, rodeo, basketball, anything like that is becoming a Hall of Fame inductee. Why? Every athlete wants to be remembered. They want to make a mark in history. And that's basically what Paul's saying. You want to make a mark in history? You make a mark in history by working out your salvation, by shining like stars, by holding out the word of God, and number four, by serving sacrificially. Listen to what he says in verse 17. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, 
I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is literally laying this out. If you want to live it out, we must work out to live out the gospel to those around us. He's literally saying you must serve sacrificially. Listen again to what he says. I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Paul is saying my sacrifice is being recognized as a result of your faith. I served sacrificially and everything that happens, even if it comes out to where I'm just being poured out like a drink offering, it's no big deal. That is joyous to me is what Paul is saying. And what we begin to understand is sacrificial service is one of those themes that runs throughout Philippians. But if you know anything, sacrificial service is the very key theme with which Jesus came, right? Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. If you want to be a person of influence, serve others. You want to be a strong leader, be the one who's set the standard to say that there's nothing below me. If you want to be the great person, then you have to serve. See, the work that we do for God is literally an act of worship. As a matter of fact, if you jump into Romans chapter 12, maybe you know this verse by heart. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's goal for you and I in this life is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling so that others see who Christ is and what Christ did for you, in you, and through you. That's the goal. So if you remember that, you remember this, that we must work out to live out the gospel to those around us. You have to work out to live out the gospel to those around you. If there is no working out, I will guarantee you there is no living out because you can't do what you don't know. I love how he f- finishes up in this Philippians chapter 2 because he says this, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Remember, Paul is writing this from a prison cell or really from house arrest. And he's saying he's glad that he's in the situation he's in. He's glad that the Philippian church is in the situation they're in. He knows that as a result of the persecution and troubles they face, that God is working in their lives, that they're going to continue to work out their salvation. As they continue to work out their salvation, God is going to be seen. God is going to be glorified. And Paul is literally saying this, and I want you to understand to be glad and rejoice in everything. And here's the reason why. Because true joy comes from what happens in you. Happiness comes from what's on the outside. In other words, when good things happen, I'm happy. When bad things happen, I'm what? Sad. But joy, joy cannot be taken. Joy cannot be taken because joy is based upon what is going on in you. So when I go through the trials and the struggles and the tribulations, I can still maintain joy because of whose I am and who I am. When I face 
persecution and hardships, I can maintain joy. Why? Because I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, that regardless of what man has done in the past, they can never destroy my future with him. And so I can rest on the fact that my joy is built upon whose I am, Christ, and who I am in Christ, that regardless of what I do, regardless of what I face, I am promised eternity with him, and that is the joy that Paul is talking about. So Paul is talking to the Philippian church, and he's saying, don't give up, don't give in, work out your salvation, realize that persecution is just a simple thing that you're going to face, and it's no big deal because of whose you are and who you are. All you have to do is work out your salvation, put it into practice day in and day out. I've got a buddy right now who's actually um, the head of, of church planting for the Kansas side uh, for the North American Mission Board. His name's Matt Maestas. Matt, uh, uh, we actually met, this is going to be weird, we actually met him in New Mexico. The year Sarah and I met in New Mexico at Glorietta, Matt was part of the Wyoming group. All right, And when I first moved here to Kansas City, had no clue Matt was even in this area, and I went to a, a, a pastor's thing over on the Kansas side. And I walked in, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And long story short, we're connected. But I want you to think about this. In the midst of everything that goes on, God uses circumstances and situations to get you to do what he wants you to do as a result of obedience to him. See, when I'm obedient to God, God will lead me in the direction he wants me to go, and there is no excuse to not be obedient. Obedience always leads to success. A lack of obedience will lead to failure. That's why, if you remember when I came, and I, I, I'm not, I know a lot of new people are here, but when I came here, uh, you know, coming into the situation, uh, there were a number of issues, and I remember one night, and I know it was kind of a testy situation. I've been here about a month, and I had a gentleman basically tell me what I was doing was wrong. And you may or may not remember this. I remember it because it seemed kind of like one of those personal things. But he basically said I was screwing up the church. And I remember looking at him, and I said, I told you before I came that I would be obedient to God long before I ever catered to the whims of man. Do you remember me telling you that? And he shook his head. And one of the things I want to challenge you to do is this, that you will always be obedient to God no matter what the cost and never cater to the whims of man because when you cater to the whims of man, you will set yourself up for failure every time. But when you are obedient to God, no matter the cost, you will be successful no matter the outcome. That's the reality and that's the truth of God's word. And it's one of those things that you begin to understand that when I am obedient to God, no matter what the outcome is, it is successful. Other people may look at it as failure. Matter of fact, I mean, to look at the life of Paul, people would be like, you kidding me? Look at how much time you wasted in prison. That would, be the, that would literally be the, the idea for some people. You, you've been in prison all this time. You could have been out here serving the church, you know. And Paul says, you know what? Nope. I was right where I was supposed to be. Because in each and every situation, whether good or bad, Christ was preached to those who were around me. So you want to work out regularly so that you can be not just obedient, 
but that you could be on board with the direction that God wants to take you in your life. It takes working out, though. It's the idea, if, if maybe, maybe this helps you out, it's the idea of the barbell, the bench press, and putting on more and more of God's Word as you work it out day in and day out, as you take in God's Word and you put it into practice. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the fact that your Word is not void. It returns, it, it, it returns sevenfold even what we can experience God, we thank you for the fact that your word is alive, it's living, it's active, it's breathing, it corrects, it rebukes, it trains, and God, it leads us closer and closer to you. It leads us to understand your will and your desires for our life. It helps us understand how we're to treat others through marriage and relationships, through working with people on a daily basis through our relationships with neighbors and co-workers, with family members. God, we can learn more and more about who you are and what you've done for us. But we can only do that if we know your word. And so God, I pray today that we would be a church that works out our salvation daily. God, that we could flex the muscles of what you are putting into work. As we take in your word, we can live it out daily in our lives. There would be just a simple reflection and that, God, you would use the obedience of your people to expand your ministry, to grow your kingdom, and to see independence, Missouri, and around the world come to Christ. We pray just in the simple act of response that you would have your way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, a very simple thing, I'm going to be up here at the front. There's nothing magical about coming up here. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for sins and you believe he rose again, you confess it with your heart, you believe, or you confess it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, then you'll be saved. But here's what we want to do. We want to know if you put your faith and trust in Christ, we'd love to talk with you. Here's the other deal. Christian, maybe you haven't been working out and you just need somebody to pray with you and say, I got, I got to live this. I can't, just, I can't just walk through the motions. I got to live it out. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'm going to be right up here at the front as we close with the song.